Welcome to the Sleeping Barber Podcast. Today, it's Vasilis and I, V, talking about marketing personas. We got into this because we're doing an MBA course and we had to talk about marketing personas there. But it got us thinking, are they really useful? What are they for? How do you build them? Can you replace them with something more productive? And what are the big pitfalls? Stick around and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Sleeping Barber Podcast, a place for business leaders to get the best and most credible information on marketing, strategy, and innovation. Your hosts, Mark Binkley and Vasily Sturos, share their experiences as they gather insights from the world's leading experts. Now, on with the show. V, to persona or not to persona? That is the question. That is the question. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, one of my favorite Shakespeare poems. <laughs> He's a smart guy. Smart guy, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so today we're talking about personas uh, for a whole bunch of reasons. First of all, <laughs> you found some interesting research. Uh, so why don't you talk about that, uh, the 50-50 stuff that you're looking well, at? Well, it's, it's funny because <laughs> marketers, you got to love us. Uh, honestly, but uh, we, we, there's the death of things everywhere. And when I, when I was doing my prep work for this episode, I was trying to think, I was trying to find uh, some good articles like we can cite and, and whatnot. But it's so funny, just in the search uh, criteria alone, you're finding, you know, is it the death of personas? Why personas no longer make sense? On the flip side, it's like personas are now more valuable than ever in this uh, privacy, private, sorry, privacy induced environment that we all operate in. So it's like we we have this <laughs> push and pull that's happening for the same topic which I think is stimulating because we're going to talk about it today and I think you and I also are coming at it from two different two different places that kind of shows that there is this little um I don't know what the right word is but is it actually valuable? Is it not? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into it. I mean, for us, um, well, for you listening, uh, the reason why we got into this is, <laughs> recently is because we had an assignment, uh, recent assignment in class yeah. uh, for one of our MBA sections in this final paper. Good riddance. And we had to do the marketing plan for a fictitious company. Vita's, uh, V's company was uh, goggles, right? Ski like high tech, high tech ski goggles. and snowboard goggles. Yeah. That my company uh, makes underwear for travelers. And so each one of us had to, one of the parts of the assignment was to do, aside from a SWAT, which <laughs> Roger Martin, I always laugh about that when thinking about Roger Martin. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, one of the sections was on segments yeah. and then building personas within your target segments. Exactly. And so I really struggled with this because I was sitting there, I, had the, I have a product that's, Largely used by everybody. Yeah. I think I found some research that was something like only 3% of um, people don't when wear markets underwear. were France and Germany. <laughs> yeah. Only 3% of people are go commando. Uh, so just about everybody wears underwear. Um, and so then I was really struggling with like, okay, so there's, this is built for travelers. So sure. Mm-hmm. Well, what segments am I going to make? Like, yeah. Like the user profiles are not really going to be that different meaningfully. Like gender, sure, there'd be some differences there. Yeah. Um, Not always because there's more and more women I found that want to be able to wear men's underwear styles. Yeah. 
maybe that's the boy short but it's it's like not you can go 16 year olds that you could say would be your target audience um maybe moms are buying it for them but then it turns out a lot of women wives and girlfriends buy for men who are older you know what i mean like it's just trying to find you know um this the this the traditional like hairy happy hairy <laughs> happy hairy 42 year old male <laughs> who's like a working professional and travels with his family like in building that i'm like well how is that any different than surprising sarah who loves to you know also that does all those things but also likes to backpack or I, and it was just like yeah. throw me off. So anyway, that's why we're here to talk about this because it <laughs> it's not as straightforward as I think you normally would think it would be. No. And overall, I don't think it has like swats. Like it's just one of those things that's almost invisible to us because we just have always done it, and so we continue to always do it without really thinking what the point of them are. And we've accepted it as well, right? So we've done it. We've accepted it as it's just part of the process. And, totally. you know, I think it's funny because, you know, when you and I were originally talking about this in the context of class, um, I, I remember very, very vividly, like you were struggling. It's like, I just don't understand how a persona is actually going to help my segmentation in this context. Like, I, it just doesn't apply. And you even openly challenged the, the professor as well, which was a great push. But I think that's where there's opportunities um, and it's going to be really dependent on the product, the service that, you know, any organization is really positioning, but maybe we quickly reset and maybe I'm going to start with, uh, well, maybe Mark, yeah. how about you help us just, you know, how, how do you define a persona? Um, yeah, I, I think that's a great place for us to start. So, uh, you know, did a bit of Google search here and there's this great <laughs> definition that I found. Asked from, Chad uh, GBT, he told me yeah, something totally else. Did. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> But but there's a, uh, I think it was from SEO, SEM Rush, SEM Rush maybe that was um, where I found this. But it, it's a fictional profile, and we've all seen this picture of a of an a guy or a girl, and we give it a, a name like Harry, Harold, or <laughs> whatever the name Happy was. Harry. Happy Harry. Uh, <laughs> surprising sarah those kinds of things and we build out a profile on them that is based on market and audience research um but it's supposed to be um the whole profile with including their psychographics their demographics and some of the behavioral characteristics are supposed to be um an embodiment Mm -hmm. or a reflection of the target audience's most important characteristics and traits yeah, no, and I completely agree with that. And I think for me, just a, a subtle nuance that, that kind of shows up in usually in personas that sometimes doesn't come in, in just simple segmentation analysis is really more details around some of the behavioral part, patterns of these individuals, um, their motivation, some of their goals, et cetera. They're really, mm-hmm. they're brought to life through, a, uh, through this fictional character that makes it somewhat tangible uh, and you can kind of relate. Mm-hmm. So could be a friend, it could be your mother, it could be your father. There's ways for us marketers sometimes that we use these personas in a way that helps us craft a story that helps inform things like content, messaging strategies, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. 
So quiz, we have a definition. <laughs> quiz for you there, V. My uh, turn. <laughs> quiz for Doc. Okay, so what's the point of a persona? Ooh, the point of a persona. Uh, so I, I didn't use ChatGPT for this, and okay, I'm gonna kind of go off the off the top of the noggin to try to articulate it the best I can. But it in my in the way I see personas um, and their importance yep. is it really helps businesses. Uh, understand and empathize with their potential comp- uh, potential customers. So okay. it helps them align their products, their services. I would even say, you know, it helps inform sometimes R and D and 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 things like that. So it's really there to align, you know, the the needs and desires of of a consumer. Even identifying things like pain points as well, I think, mm-hmm. is extremely important. Um, but it, it makes it it makes their audience. It humanizes the audience in some capacity, right? So we're mm-hmm. half jokingly calling this one of the individuals half, Happy Harry. But the moment that you create a profile or a biography around, hey, who is this Happy Harry? We're naturally storytellers. It helps us humanize who it is that we're actually um, uh, targeting uh, from a, uh, from a, I guess, uh, strategy perspective. So that's how I would define it. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Am I close? Did I pass? No, I, yeah, I think, I mean, it's a, it's a good definition. I think it's a really, um, yeah, it's a good definition. And and I agree. Like, I think that's how I have thought about personas for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, um, part of where this like, um, Short circuit. Short circuit happened for <laughs> me was like I was thinking about the underwear category. And I was trying to think about a happy Harry or a surprising Sally or whatever the thing yeah. was. But and as I alluded to before, um, I'm I was looking at how to segment the market first. Mm-hmm. So the market in my particular case of underwear was anyone who buys underwear. Yeah. And then subset of that is anyone who who travels and buys underwear. So the the traveling thing is the key component, right? Right to create my market segment. It doesn't mean that people can't who don't travel can't buy the product. It just means that we're designing the product and the messaging around people who are travelers. Yeah. But then beyond that, I was like, okay, well, so we're not because it's designed and built for travelers. We're not targeting people. Um, who want cotton because the fabric and materials, the wicking and capabilities and all that kind of stretching, you have better materials than cotton for that. So we're eliminating cotton. And then we're looking at the target market and looking at the styles they have. So we're picking specific styles of that are most popular Mm -hmm. to um, enter the market in. Um, And so with all that stuff, like I created, now we have different filters. So there's a traveler, then there's uh, fabric type, then there's style type, mm-hmm. and then there's men versus women. J- there's just pure um, uh, anatomy, yeah. just differences. Yeah. So there's like a pouch for guys and flat front for girls. Yeah. Um, and so then beyond that, when we were trying to figure out, well, what are these individual personas that we're going to create? Because you could have a 16-year-old kid. Like, my nephew's 16, and he's 6'3". Yeah. He wears... For sure, he wears adult underwear. He's not wearing, like, no. 6X boys, right? <laughs> That's probably not. Yeah. And I also have a friend who's, like, 
48, but he's like 5'2". Yeah. And he's tiny. Like, he, he might actually wear kid size underwear. Yeah. So, like, going by age didn't really help. Gender kind of helps with just the style. Um, yeah. But not necessarily the triggers that start the point of entry for purchase. So then that's where I was kind of just struggling because I'm almost, I felt compelled to make Happy Harry and the surprising Sally. Yeah. But I couldn't think of a meaningful way to make them different enough to be actionable. No, and I think this is where you raise a really valid point is, well, maybe not are all personas created equally or do you always need a persona? to do an effective targeting strategy, right? Right. So I think the product that you're highlighting is is almost like a, a really clear example to say that, you know what, because of the adoption of this product across both genders, doesn't make real sense outside of styling, right? But you could create content strategies that's bringing both genders together anyway, so you make it inclusive. So that's not, you can get around that mm-hmm. where you're not forced to actually go hyper- focused on what does a persona look like because it's not going to mm-hmm. add any further value to your segmentation or your targeting strategy. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I reflect on my exercise where it was, sorry, my groups and my exercise around ski snowboard goggles, they're advanced AI, they're, you know, they have an integration with augmented reality, um, beacons, like all the, all the fancy like tech stuff. Yeah. For us, there was an opportunity there to kind of help tell that story. And we created three personas because one thing we did realize, like you, ski and snowboard goggles, they can be widely adopted by a lot of different ages. So it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense to try to exclude, you know, peripheral ages. But we also understand because this is high tech, you're going to be alienating some that just don't have the disposable income to come in. So we thought by doing the persona exercise, actually helped us define a lot closer who we wanted to target. So we came up with three. One was the, you know, highly active outdoor enthusiast. We called him Active Adam. Then we had a moderately active outdoor enthusiast. That's Moderate Mary. And and I can hear everyone laughing at these names. I'm sorry, we didn't put too much thought into what we called them. Um, and <laughs> recreational outdoor enthusiast, recreational Richard. God damn it. There he is. <laughs> So for us, doing that exercise really helped bring to life some of the subsequent material that we created around, you know, the the ads, et cetera. Just because, again, a recreational Richard could be someone who's semi-retired, still has a high disposable income and just enjoys being out on the slopes where you have someone that's a highly active outdoor enthusiast that's chasing, you know, the, the epitome mm-hmm. of carving up the slopes, either skiing or snowboarding alike. So Mm -hmm. for us, it actually helped us kind of not only storytell who it is that we were going after, but it helped add a layer of segmentation, if you will, that didn't exist just saying, we just want to target skiers, men, women, 50-50, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, I can can get your point for sure. My my. Again, thinking about some of those cat like your recreational Richard and that kind of stuff, I yeah. was I could have and I was trying to figure about think about this. Like I could have gone down that path of doing like a version of uh adventure Johnny and um 
serious traveler sarah and yeah. whatever but then i was the only way i could that would really make sense to me would be the kinds of travel so business travel mm, interesting so maybe business travel barry and then <laughs> beach vacation bobby and um adventure adventure seeking siegfried <laughs> i don't know would you have one like but, commando chad that just sits on the out, like the outskirts <laughs> <laughs> He's nobody's friend. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants to talk to him. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but you, so, so the challenge I have with like going down that path is that when I was looking at the, the, the sales volume year round, like yeah. you look at any publicly traded company mm -hmm. and you've got, there's underwear being bought every single day. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Literally. Right. <laughs> and so there's spikes for sure mm -hmm. in underwear searches when we were looking in France and Germany on Google search and go Google trends, there was a spike in the spring, a spike in the summer and a spike in the, in November. Mm -hmm. So spring break, I'm assuming there's some correlation there as an event driven, uh, reason of purchase. People underwear. lose underwear during spring break. Got to replace right. it. You need more. <laughs> so there's a spring like travel period there's a summer travel period yeah. which is big for europeans and then in in the fall the november one was closely related to black friday cyber monday sure. so but but it never the search volumes for underwear never reach zero right so you have people that are business travelers that are truck drivers that are vacationers that are mm -hmm. backpackers doing all kinds of stuff all the time yeah there's higher percentages that maybe do it at specific times of the year. And as a business traveler, um, you know, a survey of one, so yeah, yeah. I'm this guy, but I'm, I have been a business traveler and I also travel for pleasure, sometimes with friends to vacation for sports things, yeah. sometimes, uh, with family to go to beaches, mm -hmm. sometimes with, um, I don't know, colleagues on work trips or something like, so, I don't fit in one persona either. No. So that was, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think my thought was I could, I can just target the needs that people have, like the category entry yeah. points, as opposed to in create messaging around that, as opposed to creating some fictitious persona that I like that is, has a ton of overlap with the other personas. Yeah, man. I, lo I love the, I love your example here because like, Again, on, on, on my side of things, it's a very seasonal product. So the moment that it's seasonal, you know, ski and snowboard seasons are consistent in terms of like when that is every year. So when we were looking at Google Trends, again, we saw obviously the spike start happening around, sorry, the climbing around October. Peak was happening January, February. Then subsequently, you know, the season starts winding down and you start losing the, the demand. So we have a smaller window to make sure that you're building the affinity, the brand awareness. And I would even argue, you know, like that recognition, especially as a new product entering the market where you have to really mm -hmm. kind of flood where, again, when I think about it around our product, the the personification of our targeting strategy helps identify the core audience a lot, maybe quicker uh, so we can mm -hmm. get there uh, in terms of when, you know, media strategies, because, again, the personas for us were an, a catalyst in terms of how the media, how each persona kind of consumes media. So if we go back to, you know, recreational Richard, probably using semi-retired, maybe using some more traditional forms of media, 
is that an audience we want to chase or do we want to stay digitally focused and really target, you know, say the active Adam as a high, um, highly active outdoor mm-hmm. enthusiast. And maybe it kind of helps bringing the, the rest of the segmentation, uh, sorry, the rest of the personas along as well, because we do, and maybe we should quickly talk about this, but we had a very similar experience in our, when we worked for sport check where we had these, they weren't personas, but we had very clear, um, uh, Audience segments, I guess, is the is the right way mm-hmm. is the right way to mm-hmm. to say. I'm trying to remember. It's like highly active. I don't know why I keep forgetting the several ones, but it's like highly active outdoor. No, outdoor, outdoor achiever. Uh, sorry, there's a <clears throat> high end achievers, high end achievers, outdoor enthusiasts. Uh, there was the like the fan category, which is just yeah. people that bought like fan gear and weren't very active. Yeah, um, but there was two other ones too. I can't remember what they were. Yeah, disengage, disengaged inactives and the health and fitness enthusiasts. Right. So, yeah, sorry, it was high end achievers, aspiring achievers. We had we had five, one, two, three, six. I think so. We had six. Oh. However, our the the the, the company was aligned that we were targeting the high end achievers. Right. Because the the idea was by targeting them and speaking to them, messaging to them you'd have the rest of the segmentation, the rest of the audiences that are aspiring to be, say that would naturally mm-hmm. just kind of lift the rest of the, I don't know, the boat. Is that what they say? They naturally lift the boat. Yeah. Rising tide floats all boats. Exactly. <coughs> so that was the thesis that we had at the time. And it served us well for, well, at least for our duration of, uh, for the most of the time we spent there at, at sport check. But I think it was, what was interesting about it was, doesn't matter who you talk to on in the organization, whether the purchasing the purchasing department or even you know you would even you know like accounting was I think we just had great relations with accounting, so they knew about marketing anyways because we were always asking for money. But they could also <laughs> recite <laughs> they could also recite who where our core strategy or targeting strategy was. Yeah, and that was that was unique. I've never come across that again, actually. Yeah, well, and that's a it's a really good point to make that I think a useful persona is, is the one that people know and remember and understand. Great point. Um, And so from that perspective, I think um, it's, it's a challenge I think for personas for us to say, well, this is, you know, the marketing persona and then show up at like the sales team or the purchasing team or whoever, whatever other team, the legal team, even for that matter. Yeah. And and have them go. Oh, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's <laughs> nothing like the people that I see. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, there's got to be some validation internally, uh, and and collaboration in order to create these that so that they are um, understood and realistic with what the rest of the business 100%. believes. Hundred percent. And that's it. And that's it. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> but like, but I, but I, I think that's often overlooked and, 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 and if, and to that point, I, I do think it becomes strategic and it's not just a, a mechanism for shaping production of content and messaging. Yeah. It becomes a strategic component of decision-making for the business so that you do have the buyer, like the high-end achiever. Let's go yeah. back to that one. You do have buyers that are buying products um, that would be expected from those high-end achievers. Totally. Like they're not going to buy the worst product and the cheapest thing on the market necessarily. No. 
there's going to be an expectation that you have all the latest and greatest and doohickeys and doodads yep. for that group of people. No, I agree. And I think w one thing that for me, when it's done right, because I have to say, Sklar Wilton at the time did a fantastic job for us at Sportcheck when they did come up with these audience segments. Um, and this mm -hmm. is not a plug to, to Sklar, but it, I have to acknowledge that. But, you mm -hmm. know, when you think about what are the types of, you know, typically the types of research that is involved in doing such a robust analysis, like you have your demographics, you have your psychographics, you, you're layering yeah. in behaviorals, motivation, pain points, um, even like we talked about earlier, the media use. So again, it's really kind of painting that picture of, you know, what that, what that audience looks like. And even things like mm -hmm. the purchasing process that they leverage at, at any point in time, you know, are they digitally savvy? Are they not digitally savvy? All these yeah. things go into really creating both a audience segmentation, but also subsequently, if it, because we didn't have yeah. a persona at, at check, but you could have layered on a, a persona that kind of really kind of brought this to life in a different way, but research. Yeah. Well, and speaking of which, so the me like just talk about the media thing i think this is where per there's a whole bunch of challenges with personas and and in the well in the case that i was just describing for the class mm -hmm. i think i was getting hung up on a lot of the challenges um and i just because i hadn't really thought about personas in such a long time yeah. that it just it didn't occur to me like some of the flaws in creating a persona so um one of them, which one of which is media choice. So yeah. historically we've seen, you were describing this, we've talked about it before, but like you might have, well, um, what was the name of your guy again? Recreational Richard. Recreational Richard. Who doesn't love Recreational Richard? Right. Everybody knows a Recreational often Richard. Seen on, <laughs> often seen on things, channels such as Instagram, uh, TSN. Exactly. Um, you know, things like that. So I did some research for my segment and found um, eMarketer is really good for a lot of this kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, even Statista has a lot of good stuff. Yeah. But there's uh, daily time spent with media. Mm. So you can see how much time spent with traditional, how much time is spent with digital. So the average French and German person spends a, roughly around 10 hours. Mm -hmm. Uh, their percentage time with traditional media is a little bit higher than it is in North America. Mm -hmm. So they're, I think it was something like five and a half hours oh, traditional media and about four and a half hours of digital media. Sorry. And do they define traditional media in the same context that we do? So it's like, you'd be your like out of home print TV. Yeah, I think radio. so. Well, I, I, unfortunately I don't have it handy, but I, I, for the most part, I think it's TV, but even at that, that's still a good point because I don't know if they really define TV as being like, like is NetSuite TV or are they talking about just broadcast TV or is it over the top? Like, cause yeah. then there's also YouTube, which you can target television sets with. Exactly. So on the digital side, <laughs> I was like, okay, I only have X number. We're estimating our revenue to be $10 million. So, I'm working under a budget of $10 million for reach yeah. for two countries. So how do you do that? And so let's say the recreational Richard guy was our target. So let's say he's either German or French. He's got four and a half hours spent on digital media, five and a half hours on traditional media. YouTube reaches like 83% or 90% of the some population or something like that. Same with Facebook and Facebook's including Instagram and 
um, yeah. WhatsApp and messenger. Um, and so like if everything reaches everybody, totally. What good does <laughs> like, no, you're right. how helpful is that to say that he, like in my case, it wasn't, um, recreational Richard, but something like that, like why, like, where's the utility in that? Sometimes I think we're just creating persona biases based on our own desires. No, like where I, I, it can I reach can them disagree. is different than what they do to consume information because <clears throat> they're consuming information on so many different platforms. Yeah, and I can disagree with you with that. And you know, if 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 uh, recreational Richard was friends, he'd be Richard. Uh, by the way. Um, oh yeah, you're totally right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I can't, I can't disagree with you because when you have these mass channels, that can, <laughs> oh, that's good. V. <laughs> Are we gonna leave it in? Yeah, we're leaving it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, when you have a lot of these channels that have such a large, um, I guess, audience or uh, adoption, user rate, et cetera, call it what you want. But it, it's hard then to say and go down this thing, well, where does the persona actually help them? You mm-hmm. know, because in both of our products, technically, they're early in the life cycle. So we're faced with different challenges early in the life cycle of a product. So you want to try to build awareness as quickly as possible. You're trying to make sure that you can go into growth state as soon as possible. So you're probably going to mm-hmm. try to lean on the largest audience you can to do that early in your, in, in, in the, I guess your in the launch of your product. So you can't mm-hmm. overcomplicate it. You can't really hyper target because at the, you're just trying to drive trial. You're trying to drive adoption You're trying to drive purchase. And I think that's where maybe a persona doesn't help mm-hmm. in a traditional mm-hmm. sense. Maybe when you're a full growth mode now that there's been an adoption, maybe you've achieved a market share of something that then you can start really being a lot cheekier and say, okay, yeah, so it's mm-hmm. recreational richer, it's active atom, it's, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the creative that was going through my mind, like think about the uh, business traveler, Bobby. Yeah. The creative that was running through in my mind is you could have an individual person and their underwear changes as as does the scenery in the background. I'm not a creative guy, so like I like creative, but but I'm just trying to give you a visual, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So you could have one ad that showcases all these different types of travel that this particular guy, or you could have a couple, or you could have a family, or what you know, whatever the case may be. But one ad could do a lot of creative heavy lifting. Yeah. To, con- to convey the message that is targeting all these different things, all these different types of travel. Yeah. So then I was like, huh, well, what <laughs> now? Now what? Like, what do I need? What do I need all this other information for if I'm just targeting the need state as opposed to the individual people that I was trying to create personas for? I guess I can't, I can't rebuttal that because you're, you're right. I think it's a wasted exercise in, in especially in your use case, it, it wouldn't add something that you can't already do either potentially through creative where you're showing the versatility of the product or the messaging that you may add to it as well. It, it, it's hard to make a case why a persona for that specific use case actually makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, there is there is one thing though that, that that is important to and I think you came across this in your research 
what is a general rule of thumb in terms of like how many personas or too many personas? What is kind of like that right. right number? And I think just looking at the notes here, I think it was called like four to six is kind of like the the sweet spot. How does mm-hmm. that actually, you know, in your experience, is that what you've seen as well? I, yeah, I, I mean, you described the ones in sport check. That I think there was five that you mentioned or something. So I think that fits within what I've seen in the past. But then you get to this other side of that conversation and you hear a whole bunch of people more and more often talking about mass customization. And so you have this yeah. idea of one-to-one marketing. Yeah. So that would be like personas to an extreme. And like we've both done research on this and and i've run media campaigns against it and it's not as effective um as targeting the whole category based on our results that we had it costs a lot more to try and target each person individually so there's like i don't know where the sweet spot is i think you know for it to be meaningful i think it needs to somehow link back to business strategic objectives and often there's a market segmentation dollar value mm-hmm. associated with the persona yeah yeah so whether the persona is exclusively a, um based on a demographic or a gender or or just a cluster or audience segment i think it has to somehow link back to the financial opportunity that exists for the company and and by going after that segment and and the reality is like you can do that with again if we bring up sport check you can really do that with a really strong segmentation analysis where the persona itself, again, it's bringing that segmentation to life, but the persona itself isn't really adding maybe much more than you would have already had. Right. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe we spent some time getting into some of the challenges with, with personas. You want to talk sure. about that a little bit? Sure. Well, what do you think would be, well, the first Is there one, like one that sticks out for you. Yeah, I think it's like an, an oversimplification, if you will, of the of the people that it represents, because you're trying to create mm-hmm. a biography or some traits or some behaviors that is maybe true for us, maybe a small populace, but maybe isn't is not just an oversimplification or an ideal state that maybe mm-hmm. isn't really true. So I think you have to be careful um, in terms of what these personas are actually meant to do for you as it informs mm-hmm. your targeting strategy. So I, the one I would call mm-hmm. it is obviously the oversimplification that they can present. Yeah. How about you? There's this other rule uh, from Ehrenberg Bass. I don't know what their actual rule is called. I think it's just called brand user profiles seldom differ. Hmm. And so it's, this is another thing that was messing me up when I was thinking about this. But um, the the law generally says that in most markets, um, the mix of customers that you have, unless like you, like for underwear, if I have men's and women's products, my mix of customers mm-hmm. of actual customers is probably a good reflection of all the other brands in the category. Right. So right. the, the, and if they're not, it's cause like we don't sell women's underwear or we only sell men's underwear or whatever the scenario is. Right. right. And so um the i think the challenge or one of the potential pitfalls of doing a segmentation is thinking that seg- your your personas are somehow sh- differentiated and that yeah. by acquiring more of those you're going to get 
you're you're building a strategic competitive advantage because mm-hmm. I I think you end up potentially just restricting unknowingly yeah. your potential for growth. That's a great by point. only appealing to small like a potentially small portion of the market. Yeah, smaller portion of the market than you need to. Yeah, no, I think that's you know that's a very 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 astute uh, observation because at the end of the day, when you think about the alienation, and I was going to bring up a third, a, a, I guess a third one in, in succession is like stereotyping confirmation bias. Like naturally, these personas are really kind of build this profile that are naturally going to be very could be very stereotypical. You know, if you yeah. remember again back to picking on check today, but that's okay. Um, when we did the athleisure movement, right? If yeah. you think about like the segmentation analysis that was coming in at that time, is like everyone's leaning into athleisure. It's more about being inclusive, et cetera, et cetera. But that's again, that's that's maybe stereo over stereotyping, over generalizing a an entire segment that may not truly apply. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's important too. When you think about how are you bringing this persona to life and what is it actually meant to do to help in that, you know, your, 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 um, targeting strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a good example. I think of mm-hmm. being more strategic, whether you agree or not with the idea, but like, I remember at the time they were bringing a lot more athleisure product. Yeah. And getting rid of some of like the hardcore product, yeah, because um, they wanted to have the inventory and the size curves and all that kind of stuff for the person that wanted to wear their Adidas, yeah, zip up, um, you know, on a weekend while they're watching a movie on a couch, as opposed to the person who's, I don't know, playing hockey and or whatever, yeah, you know, doing yoga, yeah, instead of just watching TV, so. Yeah, it was it, it was interesting because they did align the the product assortment yeah. to support that directional shift. I'm trying to think of another one there. <clears throat> the biggest danger actually is maybe them not even being updated uh, frequently enough. Mm. Because you think about the yep. we Andrea Olson we've talked to about. I think we talked to Jennifer about it as well. Mm-hmm. When you're not engaging. And updating a lot of this customer face, sorry, I guess customer research that helps inform mm-hmm. strategic direction, both from a business and a marketing perspective, you run the risk of maybe missing an opportunity. And I think mm-hmm. Jennifer brought a great example. I think most recent podcast just around the, you know, asking your sales team how something may mm-hmm. land. They're the ones closest to that. But if you're not having that open dialogue and you're, you know, living in these organizational silos, unfortunately, you you may be going down this path of a um i don't know of a of a targeting strategy that maybe is now lost touch with yeah. what the actual reality of it is yeah that's a great point i think that's a really good point cuz yeah it's in a lot of ways i think it's an assumption right and like a a persona you you have an assumption that this is accurate even like the ones done with the best research and intentions and you know most statistically significant findings that you could ever possibly get it's a ref, it's an, a series of assumptions that are kind of coalescing into this persona and yeah. so the market is dynamic it's constantly changing um i mean we talked about this with jennifer a while back but you were the biggest fan of blackberry for the longest time 
Still kind of am. I just wish. Anyways, <laughs> it's a soft spot. But there's there's changes in the market that that you can't just you know that force you um, to to really reevaluate whether market forces change it change the the persona or not. Like I think at the very least you probably need to check in on them yeah. to make sure all the assumptions are correct. Yeah, at least at once a year. No, I'm with you. So actually, I think that that dovetails perfectly into a, a question we have. I have here for for you. So, do we need personas like a tiny Tim, the 42 year old active dad, or are we better off just really thinking about the you know the high end achiever description of a target market? What is your take on that? I I started this assignment thinking like, yeah, personas are awesome. I'm going to do a persona. And then I got to the point where I'm like, I don't think a traditional persona like the tiny Tim, 42 year old active dad was helpful at all for me. So understanding the cluster that I'm trying to go after and the, like, I'm not saying that it's not important to do the research. I think that's really important. I just don't think you need to always have a picture of a person with their name and a description of their age, gender traits, traits and the, like, you know, what they like for dinner and that, you know, <laughs> they drive this kind of a car and they yeah. listen to this kind of radio station or they're huge Taylor Swift fans. <laughs> like, I don't know that that's as productive as I used to think it. Why? Well, definitely. It's not as productive as I used to think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that is a, useful way to segment the market for somebody because they they need to reach all the taylor swift fans who are named tiny tim and 42 year old dads <laughs> then i think quit profiling know, me, mark <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what do you think <laughs> um it's funny because I want to say this the right way. I kind of like personas. I kind of like the yeah. the visual representation that they can create in my mind as a marketer. I think it, it helps me kind of bring my, my targeting strategy to life. It kind of gives me a North star in some context, mm-hmm. not saying like just a, you know, um, a target market can provide a, like a North star knowing like there's a recreational Richard out there that is just, yeah. I, for me, it just, creatively it works differently for me so i think sure. i think there is value in in personas however i think through this discussion through the exercise through class one thing that i'm realizing is maybe understanding and being able to differentiate when they're actually needed and when they're not needed and i mm-hmm. think one thing that i've come to realize is a persona is an added i don't want to say an added bonus but it's it, it it's like um it's just an it's an addition to a really strong targeting strategy that you've that you've created but mm-hmm. you can't have one the other one without the other so if you just have a persona i would argue you don't really have a target market or a targeting strategy however if you have a target market you could probably get away without having a persona yeah if that makes sense yeah a persona like- isn't enough for me yeah, I agree. I, and you're thinking back to the conversation we had with Brent 
um, mm. how he was talking about was a 6.1. I think it was the number of decision makers yeah. in a B2B decision. Yeah. So you could create personas for the people within your ideal customer profile, which may be more like a uh, firmographics of yeah. the ideal customer, like the kind of company you're trying to target. But within that company, though, he was saying there's roughly, I think it was 6.1. So maybe the CEO, the CFO, the CMO, whatever, the C-suite. And I think he said that it, and it, it grew too, though. Until, yeah. Until they... And then he's like, yeah, it was like somebody <laughs> called me a liar. And I thought they were going to say I was too high. And they're like, no, you're not anywhere close to high enough. <laughs> I think it was 15, 15 or 11. Or... I'm like, yeah. well, and then at that point, how like how useful is that? Right? So I, anyway, I, I think you can get too far down the path with personas where you create, you falsify differences just to confirm your own thoughts yeah um i think it's better to have fewer than more and provided that they're representative of the sample of the target market you're going after Mm -hmm. um i think you can create personas any way you want as long as it makes business sense yeah i think the the only now see now i'm gonna sound like you I think now where I'm starting to struggle with this <laughs> is like, how committed are you to them? Right. So like, yeah. how often are you updating? How often are you updating your customer research? Because if you're setting up at a, a point of time, these say six personas, which make really great sense. But if you don't revisit it every, I don't know, every year, every couple of years, then are you actually doing yourself a disservice in, in, in the ability that, Hey, we're we're killing this this high end achiever and we're we're still chasing this, but does that actually align? And I think that's where now I'm starting to have some of these second thoughts around like, wow, does it just help me creatively? <laughs> you know, because yeah. like it helps me think about the messaging and things like that differently. Yeah. Versus, is it actually adding value? Could I could I do that? Could I do that exercise differently or through another source? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of something right now off the top of my head, but. There's a part of me that thinks that maybe I could. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, this is a good conversation, V. Like, I, I really, yeah. It's one of those things, like I said at the beginning, it's just something that we just all do and assume that it's the right way to do it. And yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm less convinced that uh, creating a, the tiny Tim, 42-year-old active dad persona is mm-hmm. effective um then i thought Previous. i don't think it's as effective as i used to think it was yeah yeah um but i but it not, i think just mostly because i've had a lot of time to th- actually think about how i would use it but it's not to say it's ineffective i think it just has to be you have to be careful with how you're going to use the information yeah and what is it used to inform like, is it just used to inform say maybe content is it used to inform uh, further, uh, like hyper targeting. Um, I know I didn't want to jump down the the rabbit hole that is like mass personalization, one to one marketing, et cetera, et cetera, because I think that's just a hog of shit. It's um, a trap. It's a trap. It is a trap, <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to use our time on on that right now. But I think that's where again you have to be very very careful on how you're bringing that to life and what is it that you're actually trying to do by creating a persona. Because it could also, mm-hmm. I don't maybe, it could misdirect you as well. 
right? Because if the largest mm-hmm. opportunity is under a, a, a very large target segment, doing that next layer of finding the tiny Tim, the 42 year old, may be going too far. Like, do you really need to find tiny Tim? Really? Like what, mm-hmm. what is that actually adding to your, you know, to your targeting strategy and what is that going to do? The only, yeah. the only thing I would rebuttal against myself now would just be like thinking about things like brand <laughs> campaigns versus say performance marketing campaigns, which performance mm-hmm. marketing campaigns will naturally try to find, you know, some of those unique audiences that can convert at a higher rate. Yes, it's going to cost you more, but that needs to be balanced with maybe those broader targeting strategies or those um, segments that maybe some of those brand campaigns live in that space a lot more. So that's maybe that's another way to kind of see how, you know, they both kind of work hand in hand. Uh, Mm -hmm. But again, you got to be careful. You don't overly want to do too much hyper uh, targeting on the performance marketing side either, because that's not beneficial and it costs you a shitload of money that you shouldn't be spending anyways. Yeah. Good thought. Let's see. See what the audience thinks. Well, if you got any ideas or thoughts, please let us know. Feel free to shoot us a note because, um, yeah, this is a th- just an ongoing conversation. I think it's worthwhile to have. But, yeah, happy to carry on the conversation on whatever LinkedIn comments or whatever you want to do. So please let us know. Yeah. And V. Yes. No post pod. It's today. time to bid adieu. It is. No, this was it. The whole thing was the post pod. That's, right. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I, that's a good point. So you guys get less time with us today, but hopefully this was like extremely powerful for you. Awesome. All right, buddy. All right, V. Take it easy. Have yourself a great day. You do. Bye.